Welcome, Things With Ears, to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime. Tonight's story is Krampus and the Christmas Pirates. Now sit inside the fireplace and scream for help as I turn you over to the Brimble Banks Brothers themselves. Bentley and Jameson Brimble Banks. They say new babies are born bad, but then they say so many things. They can't always be right. Can they ever be right? Certainly in the case of little Louisa Eloise Malaria III, everyone else would say they were wrong. She came out bad, refusing to cry when the doctor spanked her bottom. She just slapped him right back. Then while the other children went off to nursing school, she went off to cursing school, and so never learned to finger paint, share, or take a patient's blood pressure. Children don't go to nursing school. Many of them don't. She was one that didn't. She was most certainly not invited to Brigitte Felicia von Derrydown's fifth birthday party, but no one dared to point that out to her when she arrived, only to grab heaping fistfuls out of the uncut cake, sit on all the presents, and pin the tail on almost everything except the donkey. Her mother was aghast by her horrible habits. Louisa, if you don't behave, you shan't get any desserts. I don't care! Her father was embarrassed by his daughter's terrible tantrums. Louisa, if you don't behave, we shall eat your pony for supper. I don't care! Father O'Flanagan was appalled by the girl's despicable demeanor. If you don't change your wicked ways, little Louisa, then Saint Jesus won't bring you any tooth fairies come Easter time. Father O'Flanagan was an incorrigible drunk. Finally, her teacher said, Christmas is coming, little Louisa, and Father Christmas only brings presents to good little boys and girls. And the Krampus will come and take all the bad little boys and girls back to his cave at the North Pole, where he'll put them in cages and whip them daily. I don't care! But about this, little Louisa was lying. She cared about presents a great deal. It was just that she didn't believe. After all, she had been a rotten little child all her life, and yet Father Christmas had always brought her presents, and the Krampus had never stolen her away. She had every reason to believe there was no Father Christmas and no Krampus, but that instead her soft-hearted parents were bringing her presents despite her penchant for monkey shines. All hearts, in reality, are quite soft. Soft and squishy. If you ever hold one in your hands, and most likely one day you will, you'll be amazed at how soft they are. Baby soft baby soft hearts. And so, little Louisa carried on just as she ever did, even visiting the local orphanage to talk to the orphans through the cold iron fence and tell them how nice it was to have a bedroom of her very own and a loving mother and father who never made her eat gruel. She was a bad kid, is what we're saying. Yes, Right up until Christmas Eve, when Malarias from all over came to visit little Louisa's family for the holiday. That night, 
Little Louisa roused the other children from their slumber. We are going to sneak downstairs and see if Father Christmas comes or not. No, no, no way! The other children cried. If he knows we're there, he'll never come. He'll never come anyway. You see, your parents will be putting the presents out. The other children tried to protest, but little Louisa had a way of persuading them. A way that involved vice grips and fingernails. And so, down the stairs they crept. The little pads of their footy pyjamas, brushing gently along the hardwood floors of the steps, made slight shushing noises to remind them to stay quiet. They waited there for some time. Peering through the handrail supports like prisoners staring out through the bars of their cells. And then finally they heard something from up above. Oh, who could it be? Who could it be? Why are we pretending not to know? Why are we pretending you don't even know? Obviously, it was Santa Claus. Saint Nicholas. Father Christmas. Papa Xmas. Professor X-Men. The children saw him emerging from the shadowy depths of the fireplace, squeezing out like a star-shaped strand being shoved through a Play-Doh fun factory. He had bright, cheery eyes and a long white beard. He was quite fit for a man of his advanced years and was dressed in a long, bright green hooded cloak. For this was in the days before he sold out to the Coca-Cola company, and they forced him to clothe himself in their corporate colours of red and white, and before they delivered truckloads of their sugary syrup to the North Pole, and the daily consumption of their caffeinated carbonated chemical compound turned Christopher Kringle morbidly obese. Still, it was recognisably Father Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! The children gasped at once at the sight of the legend made flesh before them, and so were immediately found out. Who is that over there hiding on the staircase? Why, it's the little malaria children! Shouldn't you be in bed? A rhetorical question, to be sure. But children don't know what rhetorical questions are. For children, as you know, are quite stupid. Louisa's cousins apologized to Father Christmas and begged his forgiveness. Ho, ho, ho. Don't worry, children. It's Christmas Eve and old St. Nicholas won't disappoint you. Now let's see what I've got for you, little girls and boys. Well, little Timmy, here's a hobby horse for you to ride. Thank you, Father Christmas. And Sally, here's the baby buggy you wanted to push your dollies in. Thank you, Father Christmas. And Georgie. Here's that pink chiffon gown you've always had your eye on through the shop window but could never quite bring up the courage to ask for. Father Christmas knows what you want, and Father Christmas doesn't feel the need to push heteronormative gender roles on innocent little children. Thank you, Father Christmas. And who do we have here? Why, it's little Louisa Eloise Malaria the Third. That's right, Father Christmas. Now give me my present. Ho, ho, ho. What gumption you have. What a fiery independent streak. But I'm afraid I don't have any presents for you. And with that, the fireplace was suddenly ablaze. A shadow fell through the chimney shaft, right into the heart of the fire. One cloven hoof, and then another stepped out through the flames. And there he was, the Yuletide demon, living and breathing in their very own living room, the Krampus. 
the Krampus was covered from head to hoof in thick, matted brown and gray fur. His legs were bent backward at the knee, like the back legs of a horse. His posture was appalling, lurching forward under the weight of the wriggling sack on his back. His eyes blazed as if reflecting the light of the fire, though its flames were still behind him. Two long horns protruded from his head, above his pointed ears. One of the horns was broken, about a foot above his head, but the other was taller than Louisa herself. Worst of all, emerging from his unnerving clutter of sharp yellow teeth, was the longest tongue any of the children had ever seen. It flicked around in the air in front of them, twitching like the tail of a nervous cat, and slinging drips of saliva all over the room. The children were more terrified than they had ever been in their lives. But then, Father Christmas said, Ho, ho, ho! Let's see if we can't assemble that baby buggy, Sally, and Georgie. We'd all like to see how you look in that gown. And the children remembered their Christmas excitement and ran into the other room with Father Christmas, chattering mindlessly about their gifts. And then Louisa was all alone, with the crack of the fire and the heavy breathing of the Krampus. The Krampus turned his terrible gaze upon her. Excellent, said the Krampus, the fire in his eyes turning from red to yellow. Delicious. And for the first time in her life, little Louisa cried out. No, wait! I'll be good, I'll be good. <laughs> Too late! And in a flash, the Krampus was there before her, and everything turned to blackness as the sack fell down over her. Inside the bag, she could feel the bodies of the other wicked children all huddled together. Her face was pressed against the coarse burlap of the sack, and everything reeked of the various bodily fluids that had been forcibly frightened out of the terrified tots. It didn't take long at all for Louisa to sink into unconsciousness. Sorry to interrupt, Masters, but it's time now for a word from one of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Tobias F. Rockwell III, and in the late 1800s, my grandfather started a matchmaking service that found people's most compatible matches through science. By reading the bumps on the tops of their skulls and finding a mate with similar bumps. The website said that my cortex's fifth quadrant shows that I have a propensity for fieldwork and benevolence. Yeah, me too! We didn't really know what that meant, but we talked it out, and turns out we both really like Italian food. So the proof is in the pudding, I guess. Thanks, phrenologyharmony.com. It's so easy to get started with phrenologyharmony.com. Simply log on to our website and request your cranial measurement device. Then, ask a friend to come to your house and measure your 35 cranial zones to determine your mental faculties. Then post them online with a photo of your skull to prevent brain fraud. We were both sick of dating websites that try to limit the number of steampunk references in your profile. With phrenologyharmony.com, I was able to find a man who appreciates my love of manipulating cold type and taking watches apart. According to her head bumps, she has just as much of a capacity for filioprogenitiveness as I do. And umptiveness. <laughs> That's an old word for sex. You're probably wondering why you should trust finding true love to a 200-year-old practice. Well, at phrenologyharmony.com, you'll find that we've adapted to the 20th century. For example, we have a website. 
and it is simple enough that it can be used by people from any walk of life. Log drivers, pin setters, apothecaries, ice cutters, dictaphone repairists, quartermasters, lamplighters, and now, elevator operators. Let us read your cranial patterns and find out what outmodeled scientific theory can do for your love life today. We now return to the inscrutable Rimbledonx Brothers Electronic Storytimes presentation of Little Louise's Mary Crumpus. The reindeer pulled St. Nicholas's sleigh through the frigid air of the dark December sky, the stars above them repeatedly blurring and unblurring as they raced from house to house. Father Christmas's sack grew smaller and smaller as he dispersed presents to all the good children. The Krampuses grew larger and larger as it filled with the bad. But who is this Krampus? From whence did he come? And how did he come to ride shotgun with St. Nicholas? Or does St. Nicholas ride shotgun to the Krampus? Certainly not. Well, perhaps I've heard differently. Tell me what you've heard, and I'll tell you what I've heard. Very well. To learn more, let's turn the clock back just a few weeks and shift our attention northward to that towering palace among the ice and snow and listen in to the conversation therein. Stop your crushing my skull! This time you've gone too far, Luther. The Fortress of Solitude is my home, and you've destroyed the last remnant of planet Krypton I kept here for safekeeping. Ah! Dear God, no! No! What you didn't think of is that we're so far from civilization, no one will ever suspect to look for you here. <laughs> Wait, sorry. Wrong towering palace among the ice and snow. I meant, let's listen in to a recent conversation over in Father Christmas's workshop. Ho, ho, ho! Honey, you know I love visiting your kitchen, but Santa's very busy this time of year making toys. Can't Santa taste some of your scrumptious cookies later? I need you to see something. Look. There, look at that. Well, it doesn't look very appetizing, but Santa's sure if you made it, it's going to be delicious. Wait, Nick! <laughs> that tasted utterly disgusting! <laughs> that wasn't a cookie. Your disgusting friend was in my kitchen, trimming his claws again, right where we make cookies. Who? Krampus? Yes, Krampus. Who else lives here that has disgusting, sharp, black claws? The correct answer would have been, in addition to the Krampus, two domesticated yeti, 14 polar bears enslaved as pack mules, and one elderly elf with a terrible case of Putz-Jaeger's syndrome. Still, she had made her point. I'll talk to him. You always say that. You also said he'd only be staying here a couple of weeks. It's been over 200 years! He just needs a little more time to get back on his feet. He hasn't any feet. He has hooves. You know what I mean. He's not trying to do anything else. All he cares about is whipping all those children he keeps in the cages in his lair. Well, he likes to stick to what he's good at. I don't even know why you like hanging out with that guy. Uh, he's fun! Well, he used to be fun anyway. I, I don't know. We grew up together. He smells. What's that, little elf? He smells. He does, Nick. 
I don't think he's washed that fur in at least 60 years. He reeks worse than wet reindeer butt. Oh, man. Here he comes. Hey, guys, what's up? Hey, Crumps. Hey, Mrs. C. You got any mail? Please don't touch that refrigerator. I'll get it for you. Hey, fine. Thanks. What have you got in the sack, buddy? Children! I thought I'd take a few out and haul them around on my back for a while. You want to see? No! Check them out! Help somebody help me! I'm scared! Why do you have those in here? Getting in shape, you know, gearing up for our bros' night out. Yeah. Good idea, man. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Here's your mayonnaise. Cool. Okay, see you guys. Weren't you going to make a sandwich for that? Nope. So long. <gasps> Were you holding your breath that whole time? I, I tried to. Oh my god. It smells like someone puked up spoiled cottage cheese in here. I'm gonna pass out. Here, drink this eggnog. Thanks. Oh, God. His hair got in it. Oh, he shed it everywhere. I'm gonna hurl. <laughs> okay, I gotta go. I want that thing out of my house. I gotta go. That's your secret origin of the mysterious Krumpus? I don't know. We grew up together. It's very realistic. It happens. Good. That's obviously what we're looking for in the story of the immortal present-giving Grandpa and his demonic cohort. Realistic. Well, then, let's hear your version. Very well. The Krumpus is much more savvy than the layabout slacker you've painted a picture of. And my story goes back further. Hundreds and hundreds of years further to demonic dealings in a dingy pub. It's a weird idea, you deranged elf. Toys make people happy. <laughs> Never made me happy. What makes you happy, Krumpus? <laughs> you wouldn't get it. I want everyone to be happy. <laughs> Impossible. But... Maybe you and I can still have some fun. No one has ever summoned a demon to ask for such frivolous powers. I think I can give you what you want. The weird sled pulled by creepy miniature reindeer. The sack of toys. The, the whole nighty fever dream. One night a year. But there will be a price to be paid. Ho, ho, ho! For every 3,000 good children who wakes up to one of your trinkets, I will put one bad child in a cage hidden in our frozen wasteland. And I'll whip it daily. Oh! Wait! And I'll also flay it. Ho, ho! <laughs> Done. Done? It was that easy? Wait! And I want the soul of your precious Mrs. Claus, too. Too late! A deal is a deal. Ho, ho, ho! Father Christmas was a Unitarian philosopher, you see. Unitarian? Father Christmas knew a deal when he heard one. In exchange for the suffering of a few naughty children, he believed he would gain the happiness of thousands upon thousands. The legion of toy-making elves, the cool fantasy pad in the North Pole, immortality, and 
the 8,000 miniature flying reindeer. I had heard it was eight mighty reindeer and one phosphorescent mutant. 8,000 mini-deer. My version is more believable. But I gave you the veracity of most of your... Excuse me, masters. I need to recharge. Let's pause for a song. Ladies and gentlemen, I am proud to introduce our special musical guest, Wally Pleasant. With Merry Christmas time again. Take it away, Wally. Tis the season to go to the mall And fight that holiday traffic amidst the snowfall Then mail a bunch of cards to people you never see And watch It's a Wonderful Life continuously It's that Merry Christmas time again Christmas Day is when Jesus was born I guess I would make him a Capricorn He was away in a manger And many a stranger came to Bethlehem Just to hang out with him And ever since that glorious day People have celebrated from Rome to Santa Fe That Merry Christmas time again Many years ago when I was young Thought the idea of Santa Claus was kind of dumb But now I'm not so naive Cause I know Santa is real if you believe In that Merry Christmas time again That Merry Christmas time again That Merry Christmas time again Well I bought my dad something to read and I got my girlfriend something she doesn't even need And I found my aunt a new Chia pet And I hope my mom likes her autographed picture of John Larroquette But it's a thought that counts this holiday season And love, peace, and joy should be the only reasons for that Merry Christmas time again That Merry Christmas time again That Merry Christmas time again Merry Christmas everybody Ding! Thanks Wally! That was great! That sweet beat charged my batteries back up to 100% We now return you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of Let's All Crump This Christmas Take it away, boys. Well then, however Father Christmas and the Krampus came to be allied, it was of little importance to little Louisa Eloise Malaria III. Either way, she was still just as we left her, confined in the carryall of the calamitous Krampus, but beginning to rouse. And as consciousness slowly returned to her enfant terrible, she overheard the conversation of the claws and the Krampus. Ah, I hate this neighborhood. It depresses me. Ho, ho, ho! Father Christmas brings presents to every child who deserves presents. Little poor children need toys and happiness just as much as little rich children do. Likely more so. Father Christmas believes in equality, in happiness and toys for every child. Except the bad ones. Ho, ho, ho! Bad ones get no toys and no skin. Here the conversation fell awkwardly silent, and the wind whistled around them. 
Finally, Father Christmas said, Pass me a cookie. Little Louisa had heard enough, more than enough. While all the other rotten children shuddered and cowered and soiled themselves with fear, our Louisa had no intention of just waiting around to accept her doom. I'm getting out of here while I still can, Louisa thought to herself. While Santa and the Krampus are still distracted, I can sneak out of the sack. And so she did. Climbing over the bodies of the other brats, Louisa snuck out of the sack. The cold night air blasted her in the face as the sleigh hurtled through the night sky under the power of the eight mighty reindeer. You mean thousands of mini deer? No, I don't. Little Louisa climbed into the only other place she could hide, the sack full of presents. This, she knew, was not a long-term solution, for even if she could avoid Father Christmas when he reached in to retrieve presents, they would certainly find her when they returned to the North Pole. No, Louisa knew she had to act, and act fast. She climbed deeper and deeper into St. Nicholas's pack, hoping to find something to aid in her escape. The bag had looked fairly large on the outside, about the dimensions of a medium-sized bear, but on the inside it was positively enormous. Though she could scarcely see, she felt as though she had gone quite a long way in, and could feel a wide variety of toys and packages of all shapes, sizes, and textures. What's this? It feels quite flimsy, almost paper-thin, but there are sticks and strings and... It's a kite! Indeed it was, and Louisa saw her chance to escape. She grabbed the kite, hurried to the edge of the sack, and continued straight out, and with one great leap, launched out into the night air. So long, suckers! She cried as she fell away from the sleigh. Did you just say, so long, suckers? Santa most certainly did not. I didn't think it sounded like something you'd say. But I'm quite sure I heard it. Santa does not say sucker. Okay, but... Maybe you don't raid the liquor cabinet the next few hours. I'm fine. She had escaped the Krampus' clutches, but was now hurtling toward her doom. Louisa needed to assemble the kite, and quickly. Which she did. Yes, it was totally easy. And so Louisa sailed away on a great grand kite, shaped like a purple Chinese dragon. But if you didn't say it, and I didn't say it, the Krampus turned his fiery eyes around them into the evening air. Hey, there shouldn't be any purple Chinese dragons out flying tonight, should there? Of course not. Santa made sure to tell the Chinese dragons, the Dirigible Society, the Valkyries, and the Super Friends to all keep their airspace clear tonight. Well, then why do I see... Hey, it's Louisa! And with that, Krampus leapt out of Santa's sleigh in pursuit. Thanks to the Chinese dragon kite... Louisa sailed to a gentle landing right in the middle of a street. She had no idea where she was, but guessed perhaps in the Americas somewhere. She was in a neighborhood full of smallish, untidy houses, some with cardboard duct-taped over their windows. She could see a city not far in the distance. What a horrible place this is! There's trash all over the streets! There's a manhole over there with no cover on it at all! The graffiti all over that fence is completely illegible. When did you say this took place again? Shut up. What was that noise? Girl, come out, come out, wherever you are. It was the Krampus. Luckily, Louisa spotted him before he could see her. Just a couple of blocks away, the hairy beast had landed and was on the hunt. A woman on the street corner approached him. Hey, honey. You looking for a good time? I most certainly am. All right, then. 
Let's part. Not with you. He was coming her way. Where could she go? How could she hide? There was only one option. So, pinching her nose and shutting her eyes, Louisa jumped feet first into the manhole. She fell and fell, and expected to land with a sploosh in the water, but instead she landed with a bang on a solid surface. She opened her eyes to see a hard wooden floor beneath her, and then a pair of black, buckled boots standing nearby. And just who do ye think ye be, dropping in on us like that, lassie? I'm little Louisa Eloise Malaria the Third. Who are you? I be Captain Mistletoe, Commander of the Christmas Pirates. Louisa looked around and saw that that was exactly what he must have been. For there she was on the deck of a pirate ship, sailing the unsanitary waters of a sewer system in the projects. Captain Mistletoe stood before her, a tall man with a large white beard and a big red pirate coat adorned with white epaulets and other adornments. He had a huge crimson tri-cornered hat with a fur trim and a sprig of mistletoe fastened smartly on one side. A green parrot danced back and forth on his shoulder. In the place where his right hand should have been, he had fastened a candy cane. In the other, he held a large silver bell she began to ring. All hands on deck, says I. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. An assortment of motley pirates began to appear all around Louisa, coming up from below decks, swinging down from the rigging, and sliding down from the crow's nest. Many wore red and green striped shirts. Others had old Korean knives prints tattooed across their bare chests. An ambulatory snowman was among the crew as well, sporting just one coal eye and an eye patch, smoking a corncob pipe and wearing a red bandana. Limbs cut from an old evergreen tree hung down from the bandana, giving him the appearance of having grown Douglas fir dreadlocks. He pointed his saber at Louisa as they all eyed her curiously. Who the devil is this, Captain? Says she's little Louisa Eloise Malaria the Turd. The Turd, you say? Well, she come to the right place, she did. <laughs> the pirates all laughed at this. For pirates, as you know, have the maturity of sixth graders. Well, what in the world is a Christmas pirate? Why, only the most cruel and savage creatures in all the land. Every Christmas Eve we sail the sewers of the world, steal the presents, what good Saint Nick leaves for poor children. Why, just poor? children. Oh, that's the beauty of it, miss. That way nobody knows we've done it at all. They just think Father Christmas don't care about poor kids. Or alternatively, they assume there ain't no Father Christmas and only parents of rich kids can afford presents. That way we can steal all the toys we want and no one even comes looking for us because no one even knows we've done it. We just wait till Santa's come down the chimney, left the toys, and flown off again. Then we go up through the toilet, steal the toys, and then flush ourselves back down. That would explain the odor. Holly want a cracker! Holly want a cracker! It was a Christmas cracker the bird wanted. The kind you pull the string to explode open and find a prize inside. There you are, girl. Inside was a cracker. The kind you eat. Ah! But if you only steal toys on Christmas Eve, what do you do the rest of the year? Oh, the rest of the year, we enjoy the spoils of this night back on Toy Tuga. Toy Tuga? Aye, Toy Tuga! Toy Tuga! On 
Tortuga, you can play with every toy you ever dreamed of. Dollies what cry and, and trucks what drive and real living puppies that bark and lick your face with the little pink tongues. Oh, and there's pirate bands marching down the street with child-sized pianos, little trumpets and plastic string guitars. Each one stole right out from under the tree of some poor little brat. That's brilliant! It's the happiest place in the world. Or at least it is through the middle of January. Why? What happens after that? Well, nothing lasts forever, little Louisa May Alcott deterred. You see, when a pirate loves a toy very, very much and plays with it very, very hard... Eventually it becomes real? Eventually it breaks. Hey, even the puppies. Especially the puppies. Or worse, it gets boring. There's little else in the world I can abide less than a boring toy. And then Tortuga becomes a miserable place of broken dreams and terrible ennui. What's it all mean? I kill myself. Then Christmas comes again. And we fill our world to the brim with poor kid booty. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Indeed it is. And now that you know all about us and our ways, you'll have to kill you, we will. Please, no. Spare me. Make me a pirate! It's the life for me! I suppose we could keep her as a ship's hand, Captain. Make her swab the poop deck? I should be captain. Or at least first mate. All those good jobs are filled, and you're a little girl. The only job left is poop deck swabber. And as we're in the sewers, it's quite literally covered in poop. <laughs> Make that fifth graders. I don't want to swab poop! Oh, just kill her, Captain. No, please, sir. I'll be good. Good? Why, that's the last thing we want in a Christmas pirate. By good, I meant good at being a Christmas pirate. I'm bad, very bad. I'm so bad the Krampus came and took me away. The Krampus! The Krampus! The Krampus, you say? Yes, he took me from my home for being such a bad girl, but I escaped from the sleigh. And where be the Krampus now, lassie? Well, last I knew... He was in the streets up above, looking for me. The Last! All hands to battle stations, raise the sails, trim the tree, weigh the anchor, hoist the stockings. There was a flurry of activity on the ship as crop-stained pirates ran in all directions, attempting to follow every order at once, slamming into one another and sliding around on the slippery deck. What's going on? Why are you all in such a tizzy? It's the Krampus, young miss. We hate him, and he hates us. We think of ourselves as the anti-Santa, and he thinks of himself as the anti-Santa, and neither one of us has no patience for the other. But I thought you said no one even knew you were doing this. None saved the Krampus, and he keeps our secret because he wants to make sure he finishes us off himself. Suddenly there was a loud splash in the water behind the ship, followed shortly thereafter by an inhuman wailing. Christmas pirates! So you're in cahoots with the girl who escaped me. I should have known. In no time at all, the Krampus had scaled the side of the ship. Standing before them, his fur matted down by the filthy waters of the sewer, he looked more disgusting and ferocious than ever. As he bared his snarl of teeth and growl, a trio of pirates managed to wheel a cannon on deck. Fire! Captain Mistletoe cried as Louisa dove for cover. A barrage of Christmas tree bulbs shot out from the cannon and knocked the Krampus off his feet. 
A few shattered, leaving shards of jagged glass stuck in his skin, but this all seemed to enrage him more than injure. The Krampus howled in fury once more and raced across the deck. His fiery eyes flashed white hot as he grabbed the captain around the throat with one hand. At last, I have you. Face the wrath of me, Cain. The captain cried defiantly. He scratched like a kitten at the Krampus's chest with his candy cane hook. To no effect. Perhaps he should have removed the plastic wrapping. The beast merely laughed at this, and gripping the unfortunate captain's confectionery appendage in his claw, he snapped it in two, tossing the broken shard to the fecal floor. <laughs> Louisa was shocked to hear the buccaneer scream in agony, as if the candy cane had actually been a part of him. The Krampus dumped Captain Mistletoe unceremoniously into a nearby barrel full of wassail. Mr. Frosty rushed at the Krampus, as near as a snowman might be said to rush at anything. He swung his saber at the demon, who easily sidestepped the thrust. The Krampus's enormous tongue grew longer still and wrapped itself around the man of snow. The heat of his breath and his hate melted Mr. Frosty in an instant. His eye patch, pipe, and other accoutrements splashed down into the puddle that had, moments ago, been the ship's frozen bosun. <laughs> Who's next, you fools? Who's next? Stop! Louisa cried. No more! All the Christmas pirates and the Krumpus turned to Louisa with hate and anger. She was, after all, the cause of all this violence. Listen to me! This is all wrong! This isn't what Christmas is about at all! This is exactly what Christmas is about, you evil little girl! Christmas is about whipping and flaying the bad to make room for the good. You're wrong, says I, cried the captain. Quite literally, he had crawled over to the puddle that had once been his bosun, and there were tears in his eyes. You don't belong on this holiday, Krampus. Christmas isn't to do with goat-legged devils and torturing kids. Christmas be about presents. It always has been, and it always will be. No, Captain. You're wrong, too. What do you know, Louisa May Alcott deterred? I know Christmas will always be less fun for you now that your friend Mr. Frosty is dead. Oh, Mr. Frosty. The little girl has a point. It's just like in her book when Joe lost Beth. Nothing were the same after that. That's right, said Louisa, though she wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. And you, Krampus, I heard you up in that sleigh. You can't tell me you'd enjoy Christmas Eve half as much without your friend Father Christmas. He's not my friend, he's my business associate. No, said Louisa resolutely. I know I'm no expert on friendship. I've never had a friend. But I saw the way he looks at you, and the way you look at him, and I was jealous. But I couldn't admit it. Admit what? That the price of being bad isn't that you don't get presents. It's that you don't get friends. I understand you, Krampus, because I'm like you. I'm bad. I don't know why. I just always was this way. So they say. I don't get invited to birthday parties. My own dad keeps telling me he's going to eat my pony. Not even orphans want to talk to me, and they don't have anybody. Who cares? Before you had Santa, who did you have? Who cares? Yelled the Krampus, but there was one little swampy tear in his left eye. This made him still angrier. Having a friend at Christmas when you're a bad person, Krampus. It was Captain Mistletoe who had been watching all of this, nodding, 
the knees of his pants growing soggy with bosun. The remains of his once snowy friend were already mixing unpleasantly with the excrement on the deck. There's not something you appreciate till it's gone. So, Krampus, I'm going to help both of us. I need a friend. And maybe you could use a second friend. One who knows what it's like to be bad. Because Father Christmas is your friend, but he doesn't understand, does he? Oh, deck me holes! Forget that hairy monster, Louisa! I'll be your friend. I only had one. And he's gone. Thanks, jerk! Wait! Roared the Krampus, angrily whipping his tongue at the Yuletide buccaneer. She didn't say she wanted to be your friend, you candy limb fake! She said me! Me! Krampus! Asked Louisa quietly, happily, looking like she might cry. Oh, don't blubber. There's enough of that around here. Just tell me what I do. How am I supposed to know? I never had a friend. But I mean, I've seen people hug. The Krampus looked uncertain, but bent his terrible goat legs to match Louisa's height and stretched his hairy arms wide. Is this how it's done, he wondered? Hugger! Hugger! Louisa, her lower lip quivering, took a step towards the Krampus. And producing a hooked candy cane shard from behind her back, she swung its sharp shaft towards the kneeling form of the horribly vulnerable Krampus. And drove it right through his left eye and into his skull. Oh, my eye! Rancid Krampus blood sprayed little Louisa, and the captain cried out, Oh, my God, you awful little girl! Oh, God in heaven, so much blood! Oh! And then Louisa pulled the sharpened sweetie out of the monster's eye, and she drove it into his chest and the giant horrible creature slumped to the ground, where Louisa commenced carving up a bloody storm. She carved and carved, emptying her fear and anger into the carcass and pelt of what had once been the terror of so many children. And this is what she was doing when she saw a shiny black boot with a bright silver buckle step into a pool of blood in her field of vision. She looked up to the fluffy white hem, soft green velvet, of Father Christmas's robe. And then, all the way up to his white beard, rosy cheeks, and crystal blue eyes. They were not smiling. Father Christmas opened his mouth, and his tongue searched out his dry lips and wetted them. He let out a very sad breath. Boy. Louisa stood up. She reached down, yanked hard, and the Krampus's pelt came off its body with a sickening, ripping sound. She gave it one good shake, splattering the white trim of St. Nick's robe with red specks. At first I wanted to be captain of the Christmas Pirates, but they would only let me swab the poop deck. So now I want a different job. I want to be your new, much less smelly partner. Little girl, said Father Christmas sadly. That isn't possible. There are things the Krampus could do that... And with a whoosh and a wet slap, Louisa wrapped the Krampus's pelt across her shoulders like a cape. She gave a sly grin up at Father Christmas, and her eyes lit with an evil yellow flame. It's Christmas Eve, she said. What are you doing just standing here looking at me like that, old man? We have a lot of houses to visit before the night passes. You have a lot of presents here to give. Father Christmas sighed deeply. He reached deep into the pocket of his beautiful green cloak then, 
and pulled out a small glass bottle of Coca-Cola that the last family he had visited had left instead of milk. He twisted off the lid and took a small swig. Then he looked down at the putrid, skinless remains of his old partner. He took a longer drink. To the sleigh, then. He started to go, his black boots leaving prints in the blood and poop. And then he paused and looked at his surroundings, seeming to notice mistletoe and the frightened Christmas pirates for the very first time. What do we have here? Louisa looked at the band of gift-stealing scoundrels, and then at Captain Mistletoe, who was once again kneeling at the puddle of his old friend. Mistletoe looked at Louisa, and then Father Christmas, and then back again. No one, lied Louisa. Just some nice folks celebrating the holiday who tried to help me. Father Christmas nodded and continued on to his sleigh. Louisa gave Captain Mistletoe a knowing wink. On with the festivities, boys, she said, and she walked after Santa, the Krampus cloak a bit long for her dragging behind. And it has been thus ever since. Father Christmas dispensing presents to all the good little boys and girls, and little Louisa punishing the bad. Cloaked in the pelt of the once fearsome Krampus, her eyes glowing now with the flames of hell. The Christmas pirates regrouped, licked their wounds, some metaphorically, some literally, and eventually returned to their old ways. Captain Mistletoe replaced his missing candy cane hook with an icicle sharp as a baby's fingernails. They can be wickedly sharp. I know, but it doesn't sound all that intimidating. And the next winter, they even built a new snowman bosun, though it was generally agreed that Mr. Flurry Bottoms was not quite as clever as Mr. Frosty had been. Which is really saying something. Master Bimbley, Master Jameson. Yes, Voxbot 5000? The hour is growing late. A good night's sleep is said to do wonders for the soul. I hear this, though I do not have one myself. Thank you, dear Voxbot. You're correct as always, of course. A spot of tea before bed? Just so, Voxbot. Just so. Good night, my dear brother. Good night, dear brother. Good night, masters. And happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you, you silly clockwork creature. And good night and happy Christmas to you, gentle listeners. Sleep well. And this Christmas Eve... When Father Christmas and little Louisa come sliding down your chimney into your house, well, may you get whichever you deserve. Good night. You have been listening to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic storytime presentation of Krampus and the Christmas Pirates, or It Came Upon a Midnight Death. Written by Brody H. Brocky and Justin Vidovic and starring Brody H. Brocky as Bentley Brimble Banks and Justin Vidovic as Jameson Brimble Banks. This story's cast included Kelly Mariansky as Little Louisa Louise Malaria III, Jared Hoffert as Father Christmas, Patrick Johnson as the Krampus, Ricky Briganti as Captain Mistletoe, Scott Longbray as Mr. Frosty, Holly Portman as Mrs. Claus, Amanda Birch as Holly the Parrot, the Hooker, Teacher, and the Malaria Cousins, Chris Grimm as Superman and Father O'Flanagan, 
Brian M. Wilcox as the elf, Father Malaria, and Pirates. And Hollywood Steve Huey as Lex Luthor. Grayson Wilcox yelled for help from the Krampus's sack. Ricky Briganti is the host of Inside the Magic, a popular podcast all about Disney parks. Tonight's commercial was Phrenology.com, written by Ramsey Essen, starring David Melcher, Amanda Birch, Chris Grimm, and Patrick Johnson. Check out Ramsey's podcast Conversations with Funny People, Wonderful, Thanks. Available on iTunes. The song, Merry Christmas Time Again, was written and performed by Wally Pleasant. That song, and all of Wally's music can be found on iTunes. If you enjoyed tonight's story, be sure to subscribe to hear more electronic story times in the future. Check out our homepage at BrimbleBanksBrothers.com, and like us on Facebook for more. If you are a songwriter who would like your music featured on the show or are a sound editor interested in helping out, email us at BrimbleBanksBrothers at gmail.com. Until next time, I am the Voxbot 5000 for the Brimble Banks Brothers saying, Batteries depleted. Shutting down.